I'll tell you what, I just don't have to say a whole lot after that. I mean, isn't that awesome? I'm so thankful for our worship team. Thank you, Lyft. Give them a round of applause. I'm grateful. And um, we want to welcome here among us uh, some very special friends of this ministry. Uh, they're here representing Camp of the Woods. Many of you heard their heart and a bit of their uh, this testimony and a report from Camp of the Woods from this past summer. But they are here with us, Adam and Billy Kane, and they're, they've got almost a whole pew there, at least a half a pew, and Phil and Pam Kuyper. Would you mind just standing? Let us greet you in the name of the Lord this morning. Help us welcome our friends from Camp of the Woods. Great. Good. Thank you so much. We're glad you're here. I would like to invite you to turn, if you have a copy of the scriptures, to the New Testament letter of James. We are at the very end of this series, Doers of the Word. So if you're a guest here, you don't have to go, you don't have to hear the whole thing. You get to hear the last message this morning. So, but anyway, I'm thankful to God for his faithfulness to the ministry of his word, how he has worked so wondrously through his people as we have aligned this in our small group ministry. You've labored in the scriptures. You've made this a part of your lives. You're living, you're reading, you're sharing, and we're thankful, and God has done a work, and we give him praise. And today, we are at the end of James chapter 5. I would like to read, however, a bit of the context and go back to where we were last time and read starting in James chapter 5, verse 13. This is the word of this pastor to these believers who were struggling under the press of life. Is any of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring him back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the air of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Now we complete our series together from the book of James and this has been some, this, these have been some hard messages, haven't they? Remember we talked at the very beginning of our time together, this was a few weeks back, actually a, probably a few months back when we started in James. And I told you at the beginning, this is probably going to hurt told the story about that nurse that came in and I was kind of hyperventilating or something and they needed to check my blood gases and so they took this huge needle and right before um, this, this nurse stuck it deep into my wrist, he said to me, this is going to hurt. Remember that? 
And so this has hurt a little bit, hasn't it? As we've made our way through and James has kind of gotten deep into our lives. He's, he's lifted a few of the veils. He's, he's caused us and challenged us to take off masks and re- remove facades in order that the Spirit of God could go in and speak to us about some of the more deeper, more personal things about our Christian life. And he's done that. And we're grateful for his care and for his grace. But here in these last kind of refrains of James' letter, as he's kind of landing this message to these believers, he gets personal. He's concerned about the body, about this group of believers as they have gathered together so much like we have and we do week in and week out and month after month as the body of Christ here at First Baptist North. And he gives us a little bit of a window of how life works. And he says this, he says, listen, brothers and sisters, you all, if someone from among you wanders. I just want to camp there for a little bit because I, he, he uses a phrase here that I think is particularly interesting. Listen, there are people among us. That's a church word. That's a body word. We live and breathe and serve and laugh and cry and celebrate and worship among one another. We greet one another in the name of the Lord. We share stories. We catch up. We connect. We pray for one another. And James is picking up on that kind of great ethos and he's saying, Listen, if there is someone from among you who wanders from the truth. There's a couple of things that I just want to point out at the very beginning of just our time together. And that is this. The body of Christ, though made perfect by the blood of God's Son, Jesus Christ, is made up of imperfect people. Can I get a witness out there? Yeah, of course. And so, like the psalmist, and as we just sang, we are, in fact, prone to wander. James knew that. And he wanted us to understand a couple of things. First of all, that in the midst of this among us, this kind of collection of broken, redeemed, forgiven, grace-filled people, that is the body of Christ, there are individuals among us who for a variety of reasons are going to wander from the truth. They're going to slip away. They're going to remove themselves from the safety and comfort and goodness of the fold of God's care, which is in the church, the body of Christ. That's something he wants us to know. But there's something else that he wants us to know is that there are reasons for the wandering. And that's what he used the whole kind of beginning of this letter to develop. So let's go back just very briefly and take a little bit of a a flyby review of what James taught us at the beginning of this letter because it's some insight into why people wander from the truth. People who are among us. They are in relationship with us. Sometimes there are children. It might be someone as close as a a mate, 
Um, someone who just loses their bearings in the Christian life and wanders from the truth. James says there's a couple of reasons why. First of all, go back to James chapter 1. At the very beginning of this letter, in verse 9, James says, The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wildflower for the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossoms falls and its beauty is destroyed. Now watch this. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Literally, and the, the, the translation would be better kind of laid out, in the busyness of his life, he fades away. You know, one of the reasons why somebody among us might wander from the truth is because of the busyness of their life. They get distracted. All of the energy, all of the amps are drawn away toward other things because of the frenzied, kind of frenetic pace of living, of keeping up, of achieving, of establishing, of building and moving. All of this, James says, listen, that person is at risk from withering away, actually wandering from the safety and the goodness of the body of Christ because of the busyness of life. If that does not sound like our world, what does, right? When you kind of walk in here on Sunday mornings, you're you're out of breath. You're kind of coming here just to catch your breath, breath and maybe regain your bearings because we're so busy. James says we're at risk. There are people among us. They're in relationships with us that could actually wander from God. Because they're too busy. There's another reason. A little later on in James chapter 1, look at verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial or temptation because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. That's great. When tempted, James says, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. By the way, God is not the source of my wandering from the truth. He never is. That's what James is saying. God is not the source, but each one, you, I, among us, is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Guess what? There's another reason why someone among us could actually wander from the truth and the grace and goodness and care of the fold of God that is represented in the body of Christ and that's because of his own lust and desire for sin. I wander away because there's something within me that lures me away towards things that are dishonoring to the Lord. And so I wander off led by my own sinful Evil desires, they are within me. And you see the progression, and we won't go over this again because I've already preached this message probably about, I don't know, six months ago. I don't know how long ago it was. But you see the progression 
After desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. There's the progression. So I am also prone to wander because of my own sinful desires. Verse 3, or chapter 3, I should say. We'll kind of skip a chapter. Chapter 3, he's talking about the tongue. Look at verse 5. People are also prone to wander because they have become victims of an uncontrolled tongue. Look what he says. Likewise, in verse 5, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. You see that powerful image. The tongue also is a fire. Your words, uncontrolled, by the goodness and grace of God's Spirit in Christ, can like a spark set the place on fire. Did you know that? That's what James is saying. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. You see, it corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire. And so I can wander from the truth because of an ill-spoken harmful word that was either uttered against me personally or uttered about me in private. How many people have said, listen, I'm done with that. That can't be the real deal. How can, how can those people represent a gracious and good God when they have done such harm to me or my family or my reputation with their words? And so they take off. They clock out. They wander from the truth because they've been injured by a word. They wander. And they find themselves out there vulnerable to all manner of attack. Now, there's another reason. This is in James chapter 4. I told you this was kind of a flyby. If you look over to James chapter 4, another source of our wandering from the truth is our fascination with the things of the world. Verse 4 of chapter 4, James says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? I mean, he's talking to Christians. Right? This is not a way to kind of build a large congregation. You adulterers. Right? <laughs> wow, he's coming straight for them here. And he's saying, listen. If you get too cozy with the world, you're actually going to place yourself at odds with God. If you move in and start living according to what the world says is acceptable and pleasing and brings satisfaction and fulfillment, then you're actually in peril of placing yourself at enmity, that is to say, placing a perilous chasm between you and God. Causes you to wander from the truth. Oh, well, you know, this, it's no big deal. I mean, I can handle this. I, I can do this and, and still kind of follow God and still represent. Wait, listen, how cozy, how close are you getting to things of the world. What, what is it that you love? I, you know, I can be a Christian on Sunday and I can live like a wild person through the week. 
I can do what I want. I can watch whatever I want. I can listen to whatever I want. It doesn't matter what's coming into my ears through this little device. Man, that's just good music. Oh, yeah, there's a bunch of bad language and kind of horrifying uh, images and metaphors that are... But that doesn't matter because it, it's, it's, it's just music. But you know what we do in those responses is that we get closer and closer and closer in love with the world. And James says, if you do that, you are actually placing yourself at odds with God. And it's a source of someone among us who wanders from the truth. They just take off. doesn't just happen. There are reasons. Speaking against one another, chapter 4. Slanderous words. Judgmental attitudes. Making myself as God can also cause someone from want to, to wander from the truth. James chapter 5. The deceitfulness of riches. Look at verse 1, James 5. Listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded your wealth in the last days. Do you know that James is saying, listen, there are going to be believers among you in Christ who are going to be so caught up with their stuff and amassing more and more luxurious things to themselves, building wealth, getting caught up in the lifestyle of keeping up with the Joneses, that they are actually going to wander from the truth and end up in sin. Because of the deceitfulness of riches. Here's James' point. They are among us. They belong to the body of Christ. They are in our small groups. They are in our Sunday school classes. They are friends. They are relatives. They are children, teenagers, and college students. People we've been in relationship with, perhaps for many years, sometimes even decades. And James says, they are among us. And they are wanderers from the truth. Slip away. They're gone. Now there's another group in view here that James is talking about. First he talks about the wanderers. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth. There's another group. This is the group I want to focus on as we close the series of James. And someone should bring him back. These are the redeemers. Do you know that among us <laughs> there are wanderers? Maybe you are one. You know, wanderers are us. James also says there's another group in view. They are the redeemers. 
they are the ones that feel compelled by the Spirit of Christ within them to move out of the fold and pursue the wanderer in order to bring her back to the truth and the goodness and safety of God in the body of Christ. Is that amazing? Also among us, among you, are redeemers. They are the bring-backers. They are the ones filled with the Spirit of Christ who move out and pursue the wanderer with this express purpose of bringing them back. I find that so amazing, (laughs) especially as we kind of close this series. Blessed are the redeemers among us. They are you. They are the body of Christ, those who choose to resist the self-absorbed, relentless pursuit of everything them, us, living lives for ourselves, for our children, for our purposes and pursuits, checking in, maybe only when it's convenient, you know, and they have nothing else going on. No, blessed are the redeemers among us who believe and know that once in the body of Christ, the mission is the gospel. And they set out to pursue anyone at any level of their wandering in order to bring them back on mission to the truth. This might require great personal and family expense. It might require laboring through the night or investing in days and weeks of prayer, fasting, urging, sacrificial loving Listening, not judging, but standing firm with them when everyone else has gone back to the busyness of life in order to bring them back. James says, blessed are the redeemers because whoever brings a wandering sinner back to the truth saves their lives. Not only from sin, much sin, but from death and also covers a multitude of of sins. Wow. By the way, does that remind you of anyone? It ought to remind you of your Redeemer, the sovereign creator, Lord God of the heavens and the earth, who took on flesh, who left the comfort, the majesty of heaven, became a servant, became obedient, became obedient even to the point of death, death on a cross, and died on the cross and shed his blood for your sins in order that he might what? Redeem you. Redeem you. You see, this is God. That is why I feel we are called the body of Christ. There's only one Redeemer, amen? Under heaven, his name is Jesus. But you all, blood-bought, beneficiaries of his grace and mercy and kindness, are redeemers of sinners. You are the bring-backers for those who wander. Now, Paul kind of gives a similar expression in Galatians chapter 6. Let's hold your finger in James and go to Galatians chapter 6 real quickly. Galatians, Ephesians, 
Pam, you could probably lead a song, right? Give us all the New Testament books. That would be fun. Next time. Galatians chapter 6. Listen to the words of Paul. This is so consistent with James. Brothers, <laughs> talking to the church, if someone is caught in sin, it's wandering, you who are spiritual should club him. Oh, wait, sorry. There was a smudge. <laughs> you who are spiritual should restore him. Do you know what the word is? Redeem. Gently. Watch yourself so that you're not tempted, but carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Listen, there are believers among us who for a variety of reasons, some without many within will wander from the truth and you who are recipients of grace, redeemers by your new nature ought to seek out that person and restore them and fulfill the law of the spirit of Christ. Wow, what a great picture. Redeemers, God bless the redeemers. You're going to save them from death, from sin, from destruction, from destroying their marriage, from ruining their lives, from getting so far out that they are irretrievable and it covers a multitude of other sins, sins of those who choose to remain back and halting. The sins of those in the, in the, in the body of Christ who would rather be judgmental of the wanderer and her family and would rather just enjoy the kind of gossip sessions that swirl around that particular struggle who maybe said with their lips that they would be praying but they never do, who never really break from the idolatry of self and pursue with brokenness and sacrifice and go into the messy business of getting into the lives of sinners among us. That's the picture of the body of Christ. That's the multitude of sins that are covered when one redeemer leaves the fold and pursues the wanderer and brings her back. Praise his name. It's a picture of Christ. If you're among us as one who has been fully engulfed in sin, sin's raging flame and then been rescued by his quenching grace, then you are a redeemer of those who wander. And only those who have been so apprehended by grace are those who immediately feel compelled to volunteer to rescue wanderers. I'm so thankful for the body of Christ at First Baptist North who have determined to once and for all stop looking over our self-righteous glasses at others who we might have otherwise deemed less fortunate or less righteous than we and now move into the murky, messy, exhausting, and often unrewarding business of bringing wandering sinners back to the truth. 
God bless the redeemers. That is the work of Christ. Now, John chapter 3, you don't have to turn here. I just want you to listen. In fact, most of you could quote the verse that I'm going to read. John 3, 16. Listen to these words. Or say them aloud in your heart. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Amen? Amen. We love that verse. It's everywhere in our homes. It's scribed on our mantles. It's on our coffee mugs. It's on the back of our t-shirts. It's everywhere. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16. My goodness, I think it even shows up at um, Major League Baseball games and football stadiums, etc. John 3.16. There it is for all the world to see and we love the verse. Problem is, John 3.17 is also there. It's also holy and fully inspired by the, by the Spirit of God. It's, off, it's often not quoted. It's certainly rarely ever memorized. And listen to this. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world would be redeemed, saved through Him. Our God is not a condemner. Our God is a redeemer. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? I had a mentor that said for years that God is often a lot easier to get along with than his people. Oh, as we represent this magnificent Savior, we are redeemers too. Church, body of Christ, First Baptist North, and our friends and partners in the gospel, there is no more time we are on the edge of the abyss. We are out of time for wagging our fingers and casting judgment on those who are caught in the snare of sin. We must be redeemers. The beginning of Jesus' ministry, there's a great scene that is vividly portrayed by the gospel writers, particularly Mark, and he says that the Pharisees were watching Jesus like hawks. And their big problem with him was that he ate with sinners. Do you remember that story? They were aghast because he was actually in relationship with people who were deemed unrighteous, unclean, sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, homosexuals, 
transvestites. Radicals. Terrorists. Eats with sinners. Jesus heard it. By the way, he hears everything you say. That's another sermon. You know what he said? It's not the well who need a doctor. It's the sick. look out at you. I'm so thankful to God for you because you've been redeemed. You've been set free by the blood of the Lamb. You're free. Your chains have fallen off. Your, your eternal destiny is secure in the gracious, merciful hands of the Redeemer of heaven. His name is Jesus Christ. Praise his glorious name. You don't need a Redeemer. You have one. They do. my good friend Mark Schuld in the first service and I thought, man, Dr. Schuld, busy little practice in Riley. Wouldn't it be something if on Monday morning the phone rang? Someone answered, Heritage Family Medicine. I'd like to see Dr. Schuld this morning. Okay, what's the problem? I don't have a problem. I feel great. In fact, I've felt great for weeks. My nose isn't running. My throat feels great. I can sing like a bird. And I haven't had an aching bone in my body for months. Can I see Dr. Schuld? That doesn't make any sense. Why would someone who's not sick want to see the doctor? Jesus said, You don't need a doctor. You're good, but there are those among you who need a redeemer. They need to be brought back. They need to find that grace and mercy and kindness and healing that you've experienced. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Lord, prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. And then, send me out. Use me to bring someone back. To bring someone in. We get this, we've got James. 
we do this, I have to build a bigger place. So, how about we run that risk? Church. Let's be redeemers who go out in his name and represent him to those who need him most. Any takers? I see those hands. They're in your heart. <laughs> oh, let's do this, church. Let's do this. James is done. We're done. Praise his name. We're done, Brandon. Good job. We're done with James. We're going into Easter. We're going to be talking about what it means to be people of the cross. You need to be here. You all need to be here, okay? Be among us. Next five weeks, we're going to go to the cross. Let's bow our heads. Lord God, thank you for this. Thank you for James. Bless him, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for being so relentless in our lives these past months through your word and your spirit. For the wanderer this morning, Lord, bring him back. Make redeemers of all of us, Lord. In the power of his name, we ask. Amen. You've heard the words and know they're true.